You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. So, so you two, all right, we got that. All right, so, so you two feel ready to start? No. Okay, then we will. And welcome, folks, to Geekiest Show Ever, episode 173. And that, nah, you heard was from the man playing with his zipper down in Australia, Mr. Mark Greentree. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Greentree. Kevin, I told you I wasn't ready. Jeez, God, you got to let me get dressed. <laughs> oh, God. There's that picture again. Melon ball, my brain. Melon ball, my brain. Oh, dear God. I, at least we didn't go down the track of the moobs, and I'm sure that uh, that everybody was thankful that I wasn't on the show last week because, you know, at least it's a much better looking and uh, probably not as crude as I am. Um, she is much better looking. Crude mm-hmm. part, I don't know. She, you know, I think the after we got cut short in the after show portion yeah. because my internet service provider decided to throw up and <laughs> I lost all connectivity all everywhere for about two and a half hours. My family, you know, I've had shit. problems with the internet over the last uh, six weeks or so, and and since Netflix hit Australia, it's just been going so slow. It's not funny. Um, actually, that's something that we'll probably talk about a bit later in the show. I'm, I'm starting to move away from the internet, and I'll just toss that there, and, and uh, we'll introduce Mike, because otherwise there's a, mm. a third member of this party, and, and uh, he won't be invited if I start ranting now. That's, that's well, very true. Hello, Mr. Well, McPeak. Hello. Well, first of all, I don't know if we ought to be using the word member around here that sort of uh, brings up connotations. Um, and second of all, you said something about getting started. Hell, I don't know if we ever uh, uh, stop or not. So That's true. We mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of an ongoing uh, uh, bad boys uh, party there for the three of us with occasional people that drop by and uh, interject certain things into the conversation. So And, and probably improve the show. Yes, usually they do. Yes. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> this is true. It's it's usually an improvement. And speaking of improvements, um we I wanted to talk about some of the uh improvement that I'm considering doing. I've got a Ooh. hankering I've got a hankering for something I haven't wanted to do for a long time. And it says nothing. Buy music? To, no, not something stupid like that and spend twenty five thousand dollars. Um I am going to uh, I think I'm going to order the parts and build a machine. I'm going to build a nice. I think I'm going to build a PC and make it a Hackintosh. I, mm, I not so nice. Well, but see that way it can be dual purpose. I can dual boot it. I can make yeah. it. Yeah. I can make it boot Windows. I can make it boot Linux. I can make it boot uh, OS ten. I just but Windows I, is already disappointing enough. Do you really want to make the Mac OS disappointing as well? Just saying that the Hackintosh. Um, side of things is for me a bit of an issue i just because it's not supported and because it's really tweaking around with stuff i wouldn't want to use it for anything mission critical oh no i don't I, want to I, um that that would always worry me and sort of freak me out um and i don't know i just i don't well, think it's I, don't, I personally wouldn't think it's worthwhile if you were building a killer windows pc gaming machine I could say that has been awesome, but the Hackintosh? I don't know, Kevin, you've got a pretty good 27-inch iMac sitting on your desk at the moment. Yeah, um, but I, I just have this... I, 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 you want you want to tweak and experience it versus use it for something. Exactly. I'm not bu- right, building yeah. it to be a, a production-level machine, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. I just want to... Um, 
I just want to mess around with it. It's really what I want to do. Well, I've I've run a, a hackintosh at different times for oh, several years, um, and for a while it was my main uh, system. Well, I could boot into Windows, Windows and Linux too, but it was my uh, main system. And uh, I think I got reasonably lucky. I never had too many issues. I was always kind of worried, uh, afraid to update. And then when you made the big rollover from like. Um, uh, you know, leopard to snow leopard or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be a bit worrisome. Um, but I would just back up my data and probably do a clean install when it came to that. Um, but it, for the most part, it wasn't too bad. And the nice thing is you could put in a little better. Um, I mean, I haven't done a price comparison lately because uh, I know for a while there, you know, for the price of like a Oh, uh, you know, high-end Mac Mini. You could build yourself a Hackintosh that was probably uh, um, every bit as powerful. Oh yeah, at least as powerful. Mm. Maybe as, you know as much as like a Power Mac or uh, you know something like that. Or not a Power Mac, but the um, the iMacs. Um, yeah, you can definitely get up close. That the the research I've done to this point, there isn't a huge cost savings at, at all until you start to get up in the top ends of the Hackintosh. Uh, you know, trying to build a, a super powerful machine where you can build, you know, where a, a Mac Pro might cost you five or six thousand dollars. The equivalent uh, Hackintosh you could build for probably thirty five hundred. You know, mm-hmm. or so it's not a huge co- and and that's not the reason I want to do it. I just want to do it to tinker around inside a machine. I don't know what the hell's come over me. I thought I was past those days of busting my knuckles, and I've said it on this show. I thought I was past those days of wanting to you know, bust my knuckles and frustrate myself going in and out of a machine and seating RAM and, you know, dealing with video cards and and all that. I just wanted to that, do the software side of things. That's the fun stuff. I, look, I must admit, I miss doing that kind of stuff these days as well, especially with the Apple line of gear because you buy it, you can't even upgrade the RAM, talk about boring. Um, on the iOS devices, you can't even put an SD card in it or you know, micro SD, whatever they're using on Android and so forth these days. So it does get very dull um, because you buy the machine, you use the machine, but the internal guts of the machine is no longer relevant. It's no longer important. And that goes for everything, the Mac Mini, the, the iMac, and even the, the new Mac Pro is, is basically it is what it is and there's not a lot you can do with that. Um and I, I do miss, you know, gone are the days where you could buy an entry-level PC or an entry-level Mac, and over time, when you could afford it, build it up and, and you know, put that better graphics card in, put a, a bigger, faster hard drive in. That was cool. I'm, I'm actually experiencing that sort of tweaking ability with my turntable at the moment because there's a lot of modifications I can do to just – gradually increase the the sonic quality and and the performance of the machine and it it brings me back to that idea of building and and tinkering within you know the beige uh box and and actually you know putting it in installing the drivers and going wow look at you know this new graphics card is great or you know you, you remember the days when you would take like an optical drive and you'd have the cd uh burner that would play that would allow you to use CDs on, on your PC. But then six months later, the, the DVD version uh, came to an affordable price. So you could still burn CDs, but you could only watch DVDs. But that was still a, a cool step in the right direction. 
now all that fun is gone out of out of really using computers and even in the PC space, even in, in that side of things, there's very few boxes you can buy and the ones you can buy from HP and so forth, they're, they're getting more things are soldered onto the motherboard and therefore the upgradable path isn't there. It's really a dying art, but it's something that I must admit I do miss. Well, you know, there's the, uh, just because I've been looking around a lot lately, there's the boutique builds of PCs. Um, I happened to see a video by, from a company called uh, Pugent, or I think it is Pugent Systems, out of Pugent Sound um, over on the West Coast, and they build boutique systems. But they're the type of systems that you can, I mean, you can still go in and upgrade every freaking thing in the system, top mm-hmm. to bottom. I mean, whether you're talking the cooling fan on the CPU all the way up to tweaking the motherboard for overclocking, um, cooling the system, you know, I, you know, the video card, the hard drives, the whole setup, the CD, you know, anything you want, the case, the lighting in the case, the fan speeds, they, they build the complete boutique. Now I'm not going to that extreme, but I think, I I really think I'm going to try to build something that's going to be a Mac mini ish type of Hackintosh when it's booted into OS 10 and then uh, Windows 8.1, or if I don't, probably not going to do it till this summer, uh, it'll be running Windows 10 because it's going to be free. I mean, <laughs> that's the right price for Windows. I uh, <laughs> can't really knock that. Hmm. And then I have a new distribution of Linux that I'm playing with that I'm really loving called Zorin. Have you seen this one? Uh, the name no. sounds familiar. Oh, it's wicked cool. The free version, you can, it has. They don't call it theming. They call it um, crap. I can't remember the term they use. You can go in and set it up. I want it to look like GNOME Linux. You know, the general layout of the mm-hmm. desktop in GNOME. Oh, no. I want it to look like a Windows XP desktop. I want it to look like a Windows 7 desktop. You can do those types of tweaks to it, and it you know, makes it look that way when you're using the machine or using the OS. And if you get the paid version, which is like $10... It comes with a uh, Macintosh, an OS ten interface to the to the OS, and a um, I believe it adds a Windows eight point one or something like that to it. It's very cool OS, and I'm love I'm running it on a virtual machine. It's fast. It's really easy to work with, and I'm actually really liking it. So when I do build this machine, that's going to be the uh, Linux distro that I put on it because it's so flexible. Hmm. And, you know, there's so many online guides now, um, and a couple really good ones. Tony Mack, um, a Lifehacker, has a huge thing where they link to their always-up-to-date guide for building a Hackintosh and all that. Because, I mean, that's going to be the most restrictive part, is building the Hackintosh portion. That'll be have to be where I have to focus the hardware constraints uh, for what's supported. But then I can move over, you know, all the rest of it will be supported by Linux and will be supported by Windows, so I'll be in good shape. So, Kevin, you're telling me then that even if you do a Hackintosh, you're still limited on the hardware you can actually install in in that machine? There is some limits into the stuff they support readily, or that OS X will support readily, but... Uh I'm going to push the limits. I might try, you know, it says, you know, you need to use something of this equivalent as far as a video card. Or it'll say this motherboard works the best. Well, motherboards, Mm -hmm. I'll probably stick with the motherboard because I'm not that interested in all the fancy features with some of these motherboards come with nowadays. But, 
you know, but it'll still let me in the future if I want to put more RAM, you know, if I want to put a cheap hard, a small SSD in it right now just to get by, and I want to then put a bigger SSD in it, it won't be a problem. Mm. It'll, it'll be something I can easily do. So that's, I mean, that's just where I'm headed. I'm, I'm just, I got the urge to tinker and it's more just a fun project. My son's kind of interested in playing around with it, you know, something for him and I mm-hmm. to work on together. So, and uh, my daughters may too. I don't know. They may get interested in it too. Who knows? So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, especially for the tinkering part and, you know, they've gotten easier because I remember when I first, my first hack and Tosh I did, it was a lot of online forums. It was, um, you, uh, that's where uh, I did learn some things from it, like how to edit a plist file and what a plist file even was, and a little bit about hardware identifiers and things like that. So there's some learning there um, to that stuff. Uh, you know, nowadays I think, you know, like I say, if you go by the guide, uh, it'll probably be pretty uh, relatively uh, air free. I mean, do a little research and follow, uh, find the hardware that works best. But yeah, if you don't mind. Uh, you know, rolling up your sleeves a little bit and and going through the forums and you know googling a bunch of stuff to find things and make it work. Uh, it can be a you know learning experience. I like I, said, I learned a lot from it. Uh, well, my kids were totally blown away by the fact that they said, "You know how to actually build a computer?" I went, "Yeah, I didn't just program them. I do <laughs> know how to actually build them." And uh, my wife chimed in and said, "Well, yeah, your dad used to build them all the time. You always had some somebody's old piece of crap computer torn apart on the workbench." <laughs> you know, replacing parts or fixing it. Because the house we lived in previous to this one, I had a workbench set up in part of the basement you know, where most guys would have a woodworking bench, you know, with all that. Nope, not me. I had extra monitors set up that I'd bought and had <laughs> mice and keyboards and drawers of screws and extra, you know, slot covers and all this kind of crap set up to work on machines. Well, yeah, I see. Now you're describing my son. I I wasn't into the the hardware part so much, uh, but he was. And like I said, I've mentioned the kid on here a few times. The heart, the high school kid that set up a computer shop here in town. We was over there quite often. And you know, they were doing things. They were doing water cooling. Uh, they were doing overclocking. They were, uh, you know, they were you know really trying to push the limits and see what a computer could do. And even now, over in my son's room, because he didn't take it all to Watertown with him, we have what we call the warehouse over there. And again, it's got a few. Uh, um, and maybe some of that stuff is becoming rapidly irrelevant, but there's a few like uh, PCI sound cards in there. Uh, I think there's probably still a uh, uh, network card or two over there. Uh, probably some old uh, RAM. Oh, geez, I don't remember what what speed it is or what style it is. Uh, but there's some stuff over there. Maybe even a few floppy drives. They aren't completely irrelevant yet. Um, and so he's got a few things over there in his um, wardrobe in his room there. So, yeah, I understand that. You know, it, that wasn't me, but like I say, and my son, he would just get bored sometimes. And, oh, I'm just going to take my computer apart and clean it and then put it back together. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and that, that's actually cleaning a computer is actually not a bad thing to do, especially when you've got big beige box because they do get dusty and it does right. impact on performance. Well, I mean, when when I talk about cleaning, I mean, I stripped it apart. I took the studs off the, I took the motherboard yeah. out. I stripped mm-hmm. it all the way down to the bare bones. You know, sometimes I replaced the fan on the on things and stuff. You know, to get more airflow if I thought the bearings were making a little noise. Oh, yeah, you know, oh, this floppy drive, uh, I don't like it. You know, it doesn't quite match. Oh, I've got some more over here. Oh, this one matches a little bit better, so I stuck it in. You know, rearranged the cables to get better, to make it look neater inside and all that sort of, oh, yeah. Lights. Huh? Put 
put lights inside the case and I never uh, got around to doing that. That started that became more of a fad about the time I started to dwindle off from doing it. Right. My had, my my son did. Um he's and he still has that. He bought it from uh from that the, the high school kid, um, the, the, uh, he calls it the cube. It's a great big, uh, case. It's probably a foot and a half by foot and a half square. It's a, it's a big cube. And so he can put like, um, oh, there's room for, I forget how many drive bays in there. And I think it's got like 12 fans in it or something like that. Uh, it's got the lights. It's got the whole shebang there. Um, in, in other words, it's what the, the Mac cube uh, should have been in the power Mac <laughs> probably. Yeah, with fans. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. The, <laughs> the last one that I had that I built much with, I actually I bought the case and motherboard from somebody I, a company I dealt with, and they said, oh, you know, for twenty dollars we'll we'll mount the motherboard for you. And I thought, well, okay, but the case I bought that it came with because I was spending a few hundred dollars with them, and that was a lot of money. This case was uh, about thirty, maybe thirty thirty two inches tall about, uh, you know, it was standard width to put five and a quarter inch device devices in it. And then it was probably, it was deep as hell. I can't remember. It was almost 25 or 30 inches deep. This And it had doors on it. It wasn't covers. It was doors that swung open on the sides of the case nice. so, I, so I could get into it to work. And it was on wheels. <laughs> it, it had wheels on it so I could oh. roll the thing around because it was yeah. that big and heavy. Yeah, that's the way my son's uh, cube is. It's got wheels on it. So, yeah, he can wheel that thing around. And, um, and you know, that's probably the good old days. It was a small server size case, right. which you'd get a small server, a standalone server in nowadays. Right. So, but I'm, I'm not going quite that audacious this time. <laughs> I'm talking something small desktop, maybe, you know, again, uh, like a shuttle size case for people that know what a shuttle case is. Not a, it's not a, it's like two shoe boxes, maybe, or a big shoe box. Mm-hmm. Probably my size shoebox with the big feet I got. So, um, uh, so it's you know that's the type of thing I'm thinking about doing. You know, it just it just seems like fun to get in there and tinker around. My maybe in my golden years I can start doing more of that again. Who knows? When you see my my side of the fun was like say uh, I've said it before. My son would build it, and I would sit there, and I would sit, uh, like I said, I would do a Hackintosh. I would do different Linux uh, distros, and um, because I again, when I first started out with Linux, uh, before they had uh, like um, uh, application managers, uh, you would download a piece of software, then you go to try and install it. Well, it needs this uh, this dependency and that dependency, and you had to go out and find all that stuff. And um, that's uh, that's what I found kind of uh, uh, fun was. Um, some people have a weird definition of fun. This would be weird for most people, but you know, torturing myself trying to find the right uh, drivers and stuff that I need to make the software work, and uh, you try to get it all installed, and then it would uh, wiggle, wobble, and fall down. And um, yeah, because you had to compile, you had to recompile it stuff, or you had to build it from source sometimes for for those in those days. Uh, I wasn't quite to source yet, but I mean, I would go online and download a. Uh, a binary and install it uh, for whatever I needed, and um, and sometimes oh, it's only you know it's just one version off. How bad could that be? Well, sometimes that <laughs> disaster. <laughs> yes, it could be. It's it's almost the same. It's only like you know a digit. What's a, what's a digit? You know, yeah, the, um, and it's the twenty. It's at the twenty fifth decimal <laughs> place digit. But, right. You know, how bad can uh, it be? 
You're right, and that's always why I kind of liked. Uh, I have kind of a soft spot for HP because their stuff was usually fairly Linux friendly um, because they did sell uh, Linux stuff. So their hardware, you could probably slap a CD in there and not have to do too much tweaking and stuff. Now I have had some things you had to go out and find a. <clears throat> Um, even for my netbook, although I think that's finally gotten better. That's a Dell netbook. But I had to go out and find the right uh, uh, wireless driver and download it. Uh, even a few years ago when I put Linux on it, it uh, you still have to go in there and, and tweak around. And the graphics driver for that was a nightmare. Well, m- kind of a nightmare. It was an Intel GMA 500, I think it is, if I remember correctly. And that one just was uh, was slow getting supported in Linux. Now I think there's a lot more out there to support it, but it took a while, and trying to get that thing to work at the right resolution and everything uh, could really be frustrating. Now I feel like getting my netbook out, and maybe I'll throw a Zoran on it. Hmm, yeah, you gotta try. Zoran's a really cool OS. I, 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 you know, I was just meandering around the back pages of uh, some Linux sites and came across, and I went, ooh, this looks pretty. So... And it, you know, if it's eye candy, then I immediately have to download it because I probably have, oh. I probably have uh, about ten or fifteen gigs worth of ISOs or more than that at any one time on one on a spare hard drive sitting around here or Linux ISOs. And I'm looking at the screenshot gallery here, and I miss the uh, the cube where you could have your desktops on a cube and rotate the cube around to your different desktops. It's eye candy, but it's fun. Uh, I'm not one of those uh, Linux people that did the command line. I'm not that commando. Oh, Uh, see, I did that too. um, When I had to, but it wasn't a place, because I grew up in DOS, MS-DOS, and once I was past the command line, those were the dark ages, and I'm never going back if I you know, don't have to. I understand there's a place and a time and a purpose for the command line, but for the stuff I do, no. That would just be like hitting myself in the head with a hammer just to see what it feels like. It's going to hurt. I'm just going to skip that part. Oh, see, I grew up on the command line, and I still, I'll still drop out there and... Uh... I'll every once in a while, just for shits and grins, open up Terminal on my Mac and type in, like, uh, top or end top and stuff to watch the processes and stuff running on the Mac and watch it constantly refreshing, you know, and have the terminal window just running. And it's just it's just cool to look at. <laughs> well, I should probably get back there and refresh my memory on just some basic commands for navigating on the command line. Because I did have to do that quite often because sometimes you did have to, to fix something you had to drop into... Uh, safe mode basically and go in there and uh find a file and delete it or change it or do something oh yeah vim uh mm-hmm. vi and yeah. uh Edline on dos yeah yeah i remember spending a lot of time in safe mode yeah that's <laughs> probably because i screwed up so many things that okay you're not rebooting now what did i do ron <laughs> oh most of the times when i screwed up a linux install it was just like I screwed it. I'm just going to reinstall it because I had my data saved somewhere else. So it's just like slap the CD in there and reinstall it again. I can, you know, and the nice thing about Linux is it's a quick install. It's not like Windows where you have to like, uh, Windows has gotten better, I think. But, you know, like mm-hmm. XP and some of those, good grief. You could run to town, buy groceries, have supper. Uh, Remember even- when they came on floppies, though, and you had to sit there and keep <laughs> swapping floppies? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, I still, I still I have... I can't remember how many there was for Windows XP, but there was a lot. I don't think XP ever came on floppies. I think well, two, maybe it was 1998, I'm thinking 2000 of. 2000 and 98 were the last ones, I think. What about Windows Me? 
Uh, yeah, and I'll send that to you. You can install it. <laughs> actually, you know what? I, I, I think... Yeah, I don't want that. Thanks. I, I actually <laughs> think I heard something about Windows XP being on floppies, but you had to actually order it direct from Microsoft. Oh, maybe. It was, oh. Some, it was something to do with legacy business users and, and stuff like that, but... I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe I'm, I'm talking out my ass, and I, I don't know what I'm talking about. But it just it rings a bell that XP was still on on floppy, well, but Windows, not in retail stores. Yeah, Windows ninety eight was on floppies. Was I think twelve or fifteen floppy disks? Hmm. It could be. I remember installing. I mean, if it, one of those were bad, oh, you oh, were boy. screwed. <laughs> you it were just, sorely screwed. It was just bad. Or if you lost one, oh my god. Yeah, it was bad. I uh, I might still have a sealed copy just because I caught it. Somebody was throwing it away. I think I might have a brand new copy of Windows ninety five still in the shrink wrap somewhere. Okay. I mean, just because it's shrink wrapped, it was brand new. Like it, you could have bought it at the store, you know, on release day. You know, you know what? I'd, I'd probably try and sell that on eBay or something if I was you. You'd probably get a few hundred dollars for it. I, you know, I ought to look because I have. I think I have it, and I have the Windows ninety five. What did they call it? Add-on? Windows 95 Plus. Oh, I remember that. The extra crap that they didn't put in 95 that you could buy that was like 70 or or 100 bucks. I've got that sealed in shrink wrap, too, somewhere. Both of them. Wow. I just kept them because <laughs> I was you know, I was going across and somebody was going to throw them out, and I said, eh, they're going to be worth something at some point. Yeah, you know what? I, I can guarantee they're worth something, not even having looked it up, because I sold it oh, maybe two years ago. A bunch of old Mac OS um, discs that I I had just installs that I had, and I was getting back basically the same amount that I paid for them when they were released. And really, on eBay this is yeah, and people were just bidding because you know some people out there want older machines just because you know, most people go oh, well. Apple says this is the latest and greatest, and the machine I bought last year is no good. It's not that it's no good. I mean, you you can go back and. And so, for instance, if you're writing uh, a book, for instance, and you can quite happily use a computer that was, you know, around in the mid-1990s if you really want to, you're going to struggle with connectivity and getting the, the book off there. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. if, if you're just, you know, someone who just wants to sit there and write their thoughts down in like a diary format and you've got this old machine, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. It runs just as well as it would have back then and um so there, there is a lot of people who are interested in legacy gear i've sold old computers that i've had lying around and it's like gee i i wouldn't touch that the os on there is you know five years old but the person who's buying it just you know they're retired um they don't really care about the latest and greatest they just want to get email and that's it and they just want want to be able to do a couple of things like keep a basic spreadsheet of their accounts or or just write something and connect it to a printer and print it out. And for those type of, of people, they're more than happy to pay, you know, say $100 for an OS that's older because buying a new computer, and unless they go a PC, um, and even then you don't get very good ones for the cheap prices, um, you know, what they've got is fine and they just go, well, I'll just, I'll just put this on and I'll be happy. Well, so some, some people don't need the latest and greatest. Well, I have all the, uh, I have from Tiger forward, I have all the CDs mm-hmm. until they quit making them. I'm actually disappointed that they quit making CDs. I like how it's simple and it's simplistic and it flows well, but there's just something that 
being able to strip your computer out and do you can pave so much easier with the CD. Oh god! But of course yeah. they. Of course, they didn't do that because, oh, no, CD and DVD are dead, so, you know, we'll take it out of our machines. And it's it's one of those things, the planned obsolescence, uh, as I've mentioned many times before, I absolutely hate. I hate being forced into something. I, I, you guys know, I still collect physical media. It's like I'm not going anywhere, and I'll just keep buying external drives. And, you know, yeah, I, no. I just, I, I want that functionality. And, and you know what? It, it comes down to this. If one day they stop making external drives, if one day the PC manufacturers no longer put optical drives in, I'm going to be buying old second-hand gear so that I can still rip my CDs, so that I can still watch a, uh, a, a, a movie on, on the computer kind of thing. That's not going away from me. That That's what like, – there's cassette collectors that – collect uh cassette audio tapes and people some people collect eight track and and reel to reel as well and they go and they they hunt down this old equipment so that they can play that content that they've got because they already have the content or they're a collector or they like it or for whatever reason uh they just haven't moved on so i, I think too it, when we're looking at it under the the term of what's geek i think anything that you're interested in and passionate in and if that means that you've got to buy old gear to keep it going, so bad. I, you know, I, I've got no issue with that. Um, yeah, that's. I, I, I think the older stuff is kind of cool. Now, in saying that, I don't have a use for a lot of it, and I don't have a use for old operating systems. But maybe one day I will. I, I've got to be quite honest. I would like to have, say, a 2004, say, a Tiger Mac OS that doesn't have notifications, that doesn't have <laughs> everything popping up. The notifications, then honestly, I will give somebody $50 if they can figure out how to permanently disable notifications in macOS. Because yeah. when you go up to the top bar on the right-hand side and, and you go down, it, it says, oh, we'll turn it back on again tomorrow. And I know that I can go into every single app and turn it all off and everything, but... It's like sometimes I like it and then sometimes it's a distraction. And I just, I really just want, there, there's certain functionality, I think, in every platform that you get to a stage where you look at it and you go, okay, they did it because they could, not because it was necessarily useful. Yeah. So so there is that. And uh, so, I, I mean, sometimes I get very distracted on the internet and, and this is, uh, one thing I want to talk a, a bit, yeah, a bit about today. I'm honestly, and I'm not kidding you. I, I'm on, so I'm on a plan with 500 gigabytes of data. So I've basically got all you can eat without having all you can eat, and um, I'm struggling to get work done. I'm struggling to stay focused with uni. Why? Because you know what? I can swap across to this video streaming service and watch something, or I can go to YouTube anytime and watch something, or I can just. Start researching something. You guys know what it's like. Once you start, you, it, it's it's you the rabbit keep hole. Digging a bigger hole. It's the Alice going and, down the rabbit hole. Yeah. So what I'm actually going to do, and I've been starting to plan this, and I've been working through it. And you guys know that, and I've spoken before. I've got NAS drives connected to the network, so I've got all this media and all my content locally stored anyway. And I'm downloading the rest of the stuff and 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 so forth. I'm actually going to go back to a 50 gigabyte. Uh, data plan and 
that is going to be interesting. And the reason why I'm doing it is so that I can avoid the distractions, so that I can avoid getting lost in the internet and wasting time and, and wasting a lot of my life away when I should be doing more important things like study, like publishing uh, my written works and, and so forth. I just I find that it, I'm not focused enough and I'm not um, not determined enough within myself to say no to these other things. Lack of willpower is what you're trying to say. Absolutely. And it's that easy influence. How many times have you gone on Twitter or Facebook or, or Google Plus and you've seen something and then gone, oh, that's interesting, and then you want to keep looking into it and you go and you keep looking deeper and deeper. And it's like really about 95% of what I look up online is stuff that isn't going to matter. I'm constantly looking up new audio equipment that I'm never going to buy. I'm constantly looking up new technology, again, that I'm never going to buy. But it's an addiction, and I want to keep looking it up. And, I mean, that's cool, but at the same time, I just feel like I could be spending my time better. <laughs> and we're going back to, to normal terrestrial TV, and we're just going to go back to having the content we've got, stop the streaming TV, uh, stop all that kind of stuff. And I, I think it's going to be a good change. Fingers crossed. That's it's, it's going to be an experiment. Well, see, I don't, I mean, I stream a lot of stuff on my computer that I watch, and I stream a lot of stuff I watch on my iPad, but I don't, or my phone maybe, but I don't stream a lot to the television. Mm-hmm. On occasion, I do. Um, I think it was Saturday morning, I guess it was, or Sunday morning. No, it was Saturday morning. Actually, both, now that I think about it. I got up earlier than normal, I had a little breakfast, I came downstairs, I knew nobody would bother me, and I did stream a couple internet shows that I like to watch, you know, put my feet up in my recliner, relaxed, and watched it that way, but, yeah, I mean, I I understand, and I've also been purposely trying not to, um, I used to spend a lot of time when we were down here in the family room, I'd sit here behind my desk, and the family Mm -hmm. would be not far away. I mean, we're talking 10 feet, but they'd be over in the the television area of the room. So, yeah, but I've stopped doing that. A lot of times I come down here and if they're watching TV, I go over and sit down in the recliner. So I'm in amongst everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I might doze off because I'm tired, but I'm still there right there with them watching whatever we happen to be watching, whether it's, uh, Oh, we watched a new movie that was great. I watched the third installment of night at the museum. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend that. It's so sad to see Robin Williams in there and know he's gone. But uh, it probably was one of the best of the three movies that's come out in that series. But anyway, we'll talk about that some other time. The uh, But it is, I, I, I'm interacting more that way. I might have my yeah. phone or my iPad with me just because we'll have a question. Oh, look, there's so-and-so. Thought he was already dead. You know, mm-hmm. something like that. Because Mickey Rooney's in that movie. And it was mm-hmm. it, he must wow. have died just before it came out. Mm-hmm. or just after it was filmed, because I thought he was dead before they ever filmed that one. So, mm. you know, neat little stuff like that, that second screen experience, as they call it. So, Well, I don't know. We're, yeah. if, if I could teach my wife how to run the Roku, and, you know, and find, well, the bigger thing is find the things that she wants to watch, because we got the cable bill the other day, and it jumped up, and she wasn't happy about that. And, you know, it's more money. And we're kicking around the idea of dropping down to their local channels only rate or um if we could pull it off i wouldn't mind like maybe dropping cable 
all together. Uh, problem is, uh, t- um, antenna reception around here is kind of weak. Um, mm-hmm. But I think if um, I think if I could get her to you know understand the Roku and how it works and the shows you're looking for, I think it worked pretty good. Now the problem is we like to watch a lot of history shows, and I or shows on the History Channel, and I don't know without a cable package of the sufficient level. I don't know if we could watch those or at least the new stuff online. You can you can watch some of it through Roku. The History Channel has a channel, but I think Roku. you have you have to validate uh, with a TV subscription, don't you? No, I think that's one you pay for. It, you're still going to pay for it though. It's not it's not a free Roku channel. I think it's you know like five ninety nine a month or something like that. I think maybe I'm maybe I'm mixing that up with another one, but. Several of those do have where you can pay and get them across uh, streaming online. But uh, I'm in the same boat you are, because out where I am, there's almost no terrestrial TV that reaches down here into the valley. So, uh, you know, everybody keeps, oh, no, just put up an HD antenna. I'm going, there are two HD signals anywhere (laughs) that I can pick up. And neither one of that, and and there's only two networks that are over here of the the three or four major. And the one I want, CBS, here in the United Mm -hmm. States... Is, which is Big Bang Theory and other shows, which primary network we watch, that one is not on uh, is not on over the air. I cannot get a CBS station over the air. So, so I, I look at stuff like, and I'm, I'm the same with the Big Bang. I, today I, was one example. A new episode came on, so I decided to watch it um, instead of doing work, mind you. And you know, a notification pops up. Ooh, new Big Bang. Okay, gone. Um, and, and that's part of the reason why I want to cut it back. I'm starting to sort of look at things and think, okay, I, I like my physical collection, so I want to own that anyway. Uh, recently, I bought all of the Big Ban on iTunes. And I'm sort of looking and thinking, well, for the shows that I really, really want, if I want it pretty much at, as soon as it aired, iTunes puts it on pretty much the day after or within 24 hours of it airing. Um, so that's kind of cool. So I can just go the subscription there and then I get it anyway. Um, and I, I sort of look at it and think, well, for certain things. And, and then there's other times when I, I go, you know what, I'm watching this show, but why am I watching it? I'm not really that interested. And in, oh, I'm watching it because it's on there and I'm paying $10 a month for this access and I've got to use it because I'm paying for it and I'm watching this, but I don't really care. I'd prefer to be watching Star Trek on my DVDs. Um, so you kind of go down that track. And actually, speaking of Star Trek, there, there's an interesting one because one of our our streaming networks in Australia called Stan, they've actually got the next generation on HD streaming, um, whereas I've only got it on DVD. And anyone who knows the history with the Star Trek uh, Next Generation stuff, the DVDs were basically the crappy pan and scans that they used for broadcast. And when they went and did the Blu-ray copy, they redid it from the original, um, I don't want to call them negatives, the original tapes um, that they actually filmed. The original source material. Original source material, yeah. So the DVDs, they're pathetic. They are really bad. I love Star Trek, but boy, it is good VHS at best. It's just bad. The colors are all over the place. They're shot. Anyway, I was streaming some of uh, some of the HD um, versions, and I'm like, wow, this looks incredible. Now, of course, streaming is different because 
it's not blue necessarily Blu-ray quality. You can still get better. Blu-ray is the pinnacle, and, and streaming comes, you know, that and below. And what people need to realize too is this is how streaming services work. They have, you know, fifty or, or sixty different streaming versions that they can actually send out to people. So when you're actually streaming the content, and my site's HD, but it's not necessarily as good a visual quality um, as Blu-ray, and it's certainly not as good a sound quality because uh, Blu-ray can hold uncompressed sound, whereas downloads you're definitely not getting that. Not even uh, Netflix's 4K stuff can can do what Blu-ray can do because it's it's all tiered compression. So if if you have like a cable service like Kevin's got, then and everyone's on it. Well, they still want to be able to deliver the content to you, even though you're sharing it amongst your neighbours. They want to be able to deliver the content, but they can't send you every single bit. So they just send you, okay, this is the speed he's got. When it goes back to the server, it says, okay, we've got to drop him down to the next tier down and the next tier down. So the only way around that is if the app you're using or or whatnot gives you the option to force uh, and say, I definitely want 1080p and don't give me anything less. If you leave the streaming services on auto, then it just gives you variant, a, a variant of quality. Um, yeah, so anyway, I got sidetracked completely. But <laughs> <laughs> that, you know that never like? happens. This never happens on that show. See, oh, is- oh. that's the internet for you. You just you get sidetracked. You go in one direction, and, and when you should be thinking of another direction. And uh, what I am going to invest in those DVR. Um, I'm looking at some of the Panasonics, um, and the reason why I'm looking at the the Panasonic range is they do something pretty cool where they've got apps for iOS. So. You can actually watch live TV on your iPad in another room while someone's watching a Blu-ray on the system or, or, or watching TV live. It will record and pause live TV. The high-end model uh, records three channels at once. Um, and So that's pretty cool. But the, then the ability to, anything that you record, you can sit in another room and watch on the iPad or the iPhone. So I'm looking at this really as, as the option of, you know what, I can save 40 bucks a month, A, by reducing the internet bill, plus another $10 for getting rid of the streaming service, and I can still pretty much get everything I want. Because out here in Australia, they we get, as, as I think I've mentioned to you, big bands at, at, at different rates, like we're only up to episode 17 still. Uh, you guys have probably finished the season for this year. Um, but we, when it airs on TV is when it comes out on iTunes anyway. So I can get it aired on TV, record it on the, the DVR, and then watch it anywhere in the house anyway. Uh, plus, you can actually take your own videos and connect it via an external USB drive, and you can watch that around the house. So I've actually been thinking of stripping the DRM off the iTunes purchases and putting it on this Panasonic deck and then having it everywhere and then I don't need to, to use much internet at all. Um, it's kind of like a permanent solution, but it, it doesn't t- necessarily take away everything. It gives you options. So, um, well, Because, you know, I've looked at, at the streaming services and, look, look, it's great to have it on the iPhone, but... I, I know sort of pretty everywhere, pretty much everywhere in the world, the cost of cellular data is just a killer. You can barely download oh, music yeah. on it. 
like Tidal was released um, this last week to a lot more countries, and Australia was one of them. So basically, it's sending the exact same bit rate as you get off a of CD. So it's a CD quality streaming service. Apparently, it sounds brilliant. I didn't even bother trying it because I took one look at it and I went, okay, a CD, a full CD of an hour and 20 worth, one hour, 20 minutes of music is going to clock around about 800 megabytes, just shy of 800 megabytes. And I'm like, yeah, that's not even plausible on cellular data. And if it was, I'm paying an arm and a leg. It's just, it's stupid. It's just ridiculous. I can put uncompressed audio from my CD collection on my iPhone now anyway. The iPhone's capable of playing that quality. And when you do it, it sounds much better than the iTunes Match or the iTunes version. So, you know what? I can just do it the old sneaker net way, I, I think. And I think sometimes we get, and this is a, a movement happening in, in Australia at the moment because Netflix was just released. Uh, super cool, which is great. But I, I think we get suckered into, oh, look at this. Flash, new, we've got to have it. We've got, oh, our neighbor has it, so we've got to have it. And I think sometimes when you, you know, Kevin, I, I criticize you at, at times and I have a joke with you about having so many USB thumb drives. But in reality, you've got it there. You put it in the computer, your data's there, and it streams. I don't know how many times I've tried to stream video or, or audio, and it just fucks up, for lack of a better term. It just stops. Or music. I'm getting rid of iTunes Match. I'm, I'm, I'm re-ripping all my CDs to, to high-res, uncompressed, and, and storing it all locally again because I can't stand the iTunes much anymore. They skip songs. I'm playing an album, and it'll skip two or three songs because for some stupid reason, Apple's server cannot find the track. And it downloads slow, and it's, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a mess. It's a nightmare. That, that just kills somebody that's as anal retentive about the order in which they play as you are. <laughs> Yes, it, it does. I cannot listen to music out of chronological order. It, it just doesn't work for me. I'm sorry. It, it, it just does not work. Um, and it, it's just, it, look, it, it's super annoying. It, the internet stuff is great. This streaming stuff is wonderful. I think it's great. It's definitely got a place in the future. But I don't want to be tied to that future. I, I want to be tied to my own collection. And I want to be tied to, you know what? I know where this is, and when I want to watch it, I don't need to rely on that internet connection being there. I don't need to rely on the speed being there. I don't need to rely on outside factors like negotiations with the, the copyright holders changing, and then all of a sudden I don't have access to that movie or that television show that I thought I previously did and all of this kind of stuff. It's just... I'm becoming disheartened. I, I want that physical collection again where it's on my shelf or if it's not on my shelf, I'll, be it. I'll buy the iTunes version, for instance, but it'll be on that USB drive and, and I can access it and I can use it. And I've had so many problems with the Apple TV with streaming. That thing's a heap of junk. It's a damn hockey puck that just does nothing but sit there and look stupid. Well, it no. really is a poor, pathetic streaming device. And it, it doesn't matter whether I try to stream from Apple servers or whether I try to stream over my own network from, the, from, from my laptop or from my desktop. It takes forever to find the computer and to load everything up. 
And then, look, sometimes it works great, and other times I'm sitting there going, you know what, I could have got the disc off the shelf, put the DVD in, and been halfway through this episode of The Big Bang Theory by now. Yeah, no, I, that is frustrating. That's why I've got a lot of my stuff backed up onto, yes. uh, onto thumb drives and other things like that so that my Roku, hint, hint nudge, nudge, wink, wink, uh, you know, I can just plug that into the Roku and it finds it and I can continuously check to make those back, make sure those backup copies are still functional. You know, I yep. can preview them on my television to make sure that they're still functional. Uh, it, it's very simple and very straightforward. And that's, you know, I've got the physical discs here and, you know, I'm Tim Chatton's probably throwing his hands in the air and screaming, you know, with all the, the, that, the that, look, that, that's all right. I'll, I'll tell you something. Tim's gone out there on a limb and he's trusting the cloud and I've I've been there. I've done that with music. I've done it with everything and I'm disheartened because the, if your internet isn't perfect uh, or if the servers aren't perfect, you've got no control. You don't own anything other than the license to play it for a period of time. Now I know that Tim does back stuff up though. He does have a Drobo unit. He does back it up. So, I mean, there is that, and thank God he does do that. But um, there's just there's just something about owning that physical thing, putting it on display. One, it looks good. Um, two, it's higher quality. Um, and also, you're not paying for stuff continuously. I've, I've, I'm paying a lot of money for this 500 uh, gigabyte allowance per month. And I'm, I'm paying – so every time I then go and watch a movie that I've already bought, I'm actually effectively paying for it again because I've got to pay for the internet pipe to be there. And it's like, really? I buy the hard drive one time and I store it on the hard drive. I download it one time and that's all. Yeah. So no. go, go, going on a lower plan and using hard drives, USB drives – and I'm not talking about, say, USB sticks. I'd love USB sticks – but they don't have the capacity, and the ones that do cost too much money. So I'm still on the little portable spinning drives. I don't know. The and, 128 gig drive that I have that's a USB stick, it was only $50. And I saw, I think Newegg had one on sale for $30. Yeah, today. they're coming down. Really? I'm, I'm starting they to have eye, come down. I'm starting to eye the 256 sticks now. What are the 256 <laughs> prices? Uh, last time I looked, they were like 110 or $120 okay. US. Because I can get a terabyte on a portable drive for about $70 at the moment, Australian. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A, a spinning hard drive? Yeah, spinning hard drive. I mean, look, I don't like them. They're slow, um, but they do the trick. And even when you play them back, uh, high-def video... They can more than adequately play back oh, yeah. that bit rate. Um, yeah, they're, they're more than fast. Yeah, they're more than fast enough to do it. Um, yeah, don't, just don't expect to copy a terabyte worth of stuff and and uh, have that at, at blazing speeds. It, it will not do that. Um, no, no. Yeah, that's that's very true. The uh, they they're not they're not going to keep up with that. But I mean, I can stream uh, movies that I have backed up onto an external hard drive here on my Mac. Mm-hmm. Never skips a beat, and these are external USB 2.0 spinning drives. Yep, and they are f- more than fast enough, and the quality is amazing. Yeah, so I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to worry about that. So, and so I, I still want things digital. I'm, I'm still happy to have the digital copies. I'm still happy to buy on iTunes. But I think what I'll be doing with my iTunes stuff is I'll just be stripping the DRM out 
and getting rid of the Apple TV and just connecting it to this new Panasonic unit that I'm looking to pick up. And then I'll have it, and I would have legally bought it. And it's high-def stuff anyway, and copying Blu-ray, ugh, what a nightmare. Um, you can't do it really well on Mac or Windows. People do it, and I know they do it, but uh, it's just so much work, it's not worth it. Um, yeah, it can be so, a bit work. Yeah, so, you know, th- there's options and there's other options, and I just I, I want to play in a different different field at the moment. I, I want to uh, go back to a slower pace of life. And I do that, I, I want to do that as well because I find that at night I like sitting down and either reading a book or just getting out an album, listening to the album, or just watching Wait a minute. one show or one movie, and, and that's it. I, I don't did- want to do 10 things at once. I didn't know you could read, Mark. Well, you know, I, I have special skills occasionally that come <laughs> out. You know, I, 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 uh, I read the, uh, you know, the, the little golden books that my kids have. I, I can keep up with that. Oh, okay, okay. You, you had pictures. Yeah. Pictures. Pop, pop, oh, it's got to have pictures. I mean, yeah, pop pop up, up. Yeah. yeah, pop up. Absolutely. Book. Okay, that's, that's fair enough. But, you know, you talk about going back and slowing down some things. I've been recently doing. Uh, buying some of the downloadable content through my Wii U. And our recent addiction is to Mario. They've released Mario 64 on the Wii U. The old original Mario 64. Do you remember that game? Oh, I remember the original one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing to play it on the Wii and then playing it on the big screen TV. We've been hooked on, yeah. It's, oh, this is so simplistic. How could you, uh, no, man, it's just as frustrating. It's just as frustrating now as it was back in the days of the uh, NES or Super NES. I guess it was on. So, yeah, because yeah, I remember, like, I remember Mario. Because yeah, we had it on the little uh, Game Boy, which we still have around here. The uh, the black and white or whatever it was uh, uh, Game Boy, and I remember mm-hmm. playing it on that one. That one and. Um, not Legend of Zelda. What was the other one that we always played? Um, shoot. Oh, fi- Final Fantasy, I think it was. Um, or something like that. So we played a lot of those games. And, uh, yeah, even my daughter got it out a few years ago and was playing with it. And we got several cartridges. Maybe I should get them out and, and play with them again if the battery still works. Well, it's, what's really nice, what I'm liking about this downloadable content is Nintendo's making the old titles available that yeah, you can download I, and play on I the like Wii. That. And it's fun. It's actually the kids are going. Oh, this looks too crappy. You know, the, and then it's oh, that game has to be easy. Wait, what happened? I'm already dead. Yeah, you don't have unlimited lives. <laughs> and, and and there's no guide to say. Oh, you go here, and then you go here, and then you need to go there. You've got to figure it out yourself. You've actually got to use your brain. Yeah, it's, but um, it's a lot of. No, fun. I, I really do like what they're they're doing with Nintendo because they're. They've just started also releasing the Wii games on the Wii U uh, via the downloadable. Yeah. And there's some, like there was Pandora's Tower, that thin on physical media. Very hard to get anyway because it came towards the end of the Wii's life cycle. And it's a killer game. It's great. But to get a copy at second hand, it's like 80 or $90. Well, you can get for like 20 and um, the the only limitation, of course, with the Wii U is the internal hard drive is pathetic. But you can plug um, in, you can plug USB exactly. storage in. Yep, and and that's the one saving grace is that you can keep expanding it as you see fit. 
Uh, the only problem with that, of course, is then if you look at what I've got, where I've got Skylanders and I've got Disney Infinity, and then we've got a microphone connected for some of the, the sinning games and, and so forth, um, you start running out of USB uh, sl- spare slots. So you've got to start using powered USB hubs. Um, you know, not that much of an issue, but it becomes a bit of a Frankenstein. Um, yeah. Or it can do. And sometimes I'd, I'd just like to go, oh, gee, I wish they'd put a, you know, even just a 250 gig hard drive in there, it would have been great. Well, you know, I was thinking of you the other day. I downloaded a preview or a demo, I guess it is, of Bayonetta 2. Oh, that game kicks off. That's great. I can't figure out what the hell I'm bluing in the game, but every time that woman kicks somebody's butt, her clothes come off. So, I, you know. I know. It, it, it's, it's, <laughs> she is my hero. She is my the, the best gaming character ever in the history of computer gaming. Just amazing. Just the the and the hair, just the long hair. Okay, I've got a hair fetish. Get over it, guys. Um, but the, just the long hair being the weapon, and and you know, sort of then stripping her naked while she's performing the moves. Oh my god, just incredible! And that ass. Oh, oh, jeez, he's I gotta gonna, tell you, he's gonna need a moment here. I think, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. No, if we hear yeah, that zipper time. sound. If we hear a zipper sound, I'm hitting the mute button. So, <laughs> oh dear, there it is. Oh yeah. Lord, help us! <laughs> no, it's uh... no, look. And in, in all honesty, the the uh, the innuendos aside, it is an absolute stellar game. With um, you know, it's over the top Japanese anime, but it's really uh, game wise and gameplay wise, it's one of the best. Uh, fast action games I've ever played in my life. It is so accurate, so quick. Um, graphics are beautiful. Oh, yeah, the graphics are absolutely freaking amazing on that. I thought yeah. Mario Kart 8 was something, but this is... And then I've seen uh, Legend of Zelda Hyrule. Have you seen mm-hmm. that yet? I, I haven't seen a lot of it, but I, I know it's out. Oh, my God. I I have never played much of the Zelda games. I only played a little bit years and years ago. Mm-hmm. I might have to buy this game just to watch the 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 storyline of it because it was like yeah, watch the cinematics. It was unbelievable. I mean, these people, the the moves and stuff that they were doing. But uh, yeah, I, like I said, we started doing some. I downloaded um, additional content for Mario Kart Eight. They've added mm-hmm. in some uh, new content, new tracks. Yep. Yeah, new tracks and new vehicles, new characters. I've been playing as Link. And, mm-hmm. and riding Link's Mega Cycle or whatever they call it, and they're going to be adding Animal Crossing content and stuff like that. It's it's all kinds of neat stuff they're really doing, so I'm I'm loving it. So that would keep me want to keep my data plan because that's the kind of distraction that's fun because I can do it with the family. Well, yeah, but there there again too, you don't um, you're not going to be downloading it all the time. You download it one time, and that's that's kind of it. So. You can still run on a smaller data plan, and you just you, you well, don't stream it down necessarily. It's not like Mike was doing with um, with his new gaming tablet, where he's going back to the server and they're streaming the game all the time, so it can be played. That shoes through data like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, and yeah, because I'm going. You know, speaking of gaming, I'm going the opposite direction to you guys because um, I don't want physical stuff around here. I don't want to have to find the CD to. Uh, uh, put in so i can play the game um and so i a lot of steam stuff but yeah and and mark wasn't here Steam's last week 
That's, yeah, that's true. That, that, that's, that's the big thing. And, and that's right. why I even go with Steam because it is really, really affordable. Well, yeah, and like I say, you weren't here last week when I talked about my NVIDIA tablet, um, and I have had a chance to play with it, and I did play that one game that you recommended, that Alan Wake, and mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, the, the game streaming part, um, it's uh, mostly okay, sometimes it gets, there's, sometimes during the game there's a pause or two, and part of that might be my router, uh, they really would rather I would have a 5 uh, uh, gigahertz uh, modem, or a uh, Router, router, mm-hmm. router, right? Um, sure, but otherwise, it it seems to play pretty good. There's a, I say, every once in a while there's a pause, but it really hasn't, for the most part, hasn't caused me too much trouble. But I'm kind of liking the idea of this uh, Nvidia Grid uh, uh, gaming online system uh, because I can play a whole bunch of games, you know. And right now they're you know trying to get up and running, so they are. It's still kind of in. I don't know if I want to say beta yet, but they're still testing it and trying to get the bugs out. So it's going to be free through June, and um, I'm going to play you know a lot of games uh, on there. Uh, I, I've already played uh, all the way through Alan uh, Wake. I'm working on Borderlands, even though I did buy it on Steam. Um, I could never finish Borderlands. It just It's a good game, but I just couldn't. The, the characters just didn't do anything for me, and the, the layout of the world just, it wasn't for me. Um, oh, I seem to be doing okay. Uh, I need to get back into it because I was I I started too many games. Uh, yeah, I was doing I that feeling. <laughs> yeah, uh, Alan Wake and I this week. Uh, and f- the one thing is that it's got me away from Minecraft. So I actually went back to it <laughs> yesterday and uh, updated a bunch of stuff in my uh, uh, world and did a bunch of things there. Um, and so um, I was playing around there, but. Um, you know, we'll have to see what they charge for this for the grid system. But you know, if it's not bad, like say around the ten dollars a month that a lot of these things are, um, and I get some value out of it, then uh, you know, ten dollars versus going out and buying some of these games, you know, if they're not on Steam at a reasonable price, if you're paying forty fifty dollars, well, that's about approximately you know maybe a third to a half of a year mm-hmm. of a of uh, buying the gaming service, and you're not tied into one game. You can go around and and play mm-hmm. uh, a whole uh, bunch of them. Yeah, you're not limited. No, so yeah, I can jump around and uh, play a whole bunch of them if I want to. So uh, and I was going to look to see. <laughs> you the know the problem here. with. Sorry, Mike. You, you know the the uh, the problem that I've got with that. And I I agree. That's absolutely awesome. It's very similar to the video streaming services and and music streaming services, where it's all you can eat. But I find that, and this may just be a personal thing. I just find that I don't appreciate the individual creativity um, of, be it the game or the film or the TV show or the music, as much as if I actually only own that one item. If the, I know that sounds really stupid, but because it's there, I don't put it on a higher pedestal. And as I said, this may just be me, but I don't appreciate it as a piece of artwork. I just go, okay, I'm going to play this game now, and, oh, but you know what, I want to try this over here, so forget that game, I'll go over here. I, I don't know, maybe it starts giving us a little bit of um, ADHD kind of thing where... There's too much to do, 
and we don't sort of finish something. I, I've always been, especially with computer gaming, a completist. I like. I, I don't necessarily have to get every single coin in a Mario game, for instance. I don't care about that. But I care about playing through the story to 100% completion, then going and picking up the next game. I Same with books. I can't read two books at any one time. I've got to read one book at a time. Um, I, I just can't do that. I just I like sinking all my effort and all my thought into one virtual reality, be it a book, be it a game, be it an album, be it a television show or a movie, and I like just concentrating on that rather than swapping and changing all the time. Are you guys similar in that way, or can or do you prefer swapping and changing? Well, now for me, what I do a lot with games and stuff especially is I'll play them until I get, I don't know, bored's the right word, or I get tired of them. And it doesn't matter uh-huh. to me whether or not I've completely finished the game or not. I just play it till I've gotten what I want out of it. The the I've got mm-hmm. I've become satisfied with the experience. That doesn't mean that I don't complete games. It, I do, but it's just I don't feel that need. You know, I'll play a game for a while, and you know, let, like let's say if I bought Bayonetta two on on uh, the Wii U, mm-hmm. I'd, pl- I'd probably put in you know forty fifty hours of it, and whether or not that finished the game or not. It wouldn't make any difference. I had all the pleasure out of that game I wanted, and I'm done. But do you, when you play games, do you get invested in the story arc? And and probably this is a good one for Mike to to answer, because with Alan Wake, that's very uh, story-driven. Right. Um, So, I mean, you do have some some games more story-driven than others. I mean, look, at, at Super Mario Brothers, does it really matter? He's just going to save the princess it's the same story every single way so you already know that he'll get to the end and he will save the princess but on some of these other games that have been done with a more cinematic tone you don't really know what the outcome's going to be sometimes you can be really really shocked well this is uh i just started getting into this style of gaming because most of the stuff i played is like civilization and a lot mm-hmm. of the city building games things like that where there's not really a story or you know it's kind of like you create your own story as you go along or whatever you create your own world um so like I say uh but i have played like um it's been a couple years now portal and portal 2 um and that's kind of uh uh, yeah, there's yeah, there, you're following a story. It's kind of a a story on rails type thing where they're guiding you along and stuff. Uh, mm. It's not like a free open world where you can go around just explore at will. Uh, and that's kind of the same way Alan Wake was. I mean, you're kind of being guided from one point to the other. Yep. You can walk around in the limited area you have to find things, but it's not like um, oh, you know, like say for example Minecraft, where it's just an open world. You can run around, and do whatever you want. Um, so I got to see, and like I said, Alan Wake, I did want to sit down and finish that one. Borderlands, uh, that one, um, there seems to be a story there, but I mean, it's not, uh, you're, you're trying to accomplish missions and everything, but that's one that feels like I can sit down and play it and then pick it up at another time and play it again and probably not mm-hmm. uh, have missed too much because that's more like broken down to, to missions or whatever. It's not as story have, heavy as uh, Alan Wake. Now, I did pl- buy... Um, Oh, um, shoot. Um, now I'm blanking out in the name. The one that everyone, uh, uh, oh, Bioshock Infinite. The one that everyone mm-hmm. got so excited about a few years ago. And I did sit down and play that one. Yeah, I think I played it all the way through. Well, no, I 
I got to the end of the boss monster, you know, your prerequisite boss monster fight. Um, I didn't quite uh, know the right way to do that, so I don't think I made it all the way through there. Because at some point, I do get kind of frustrated with um, the the run-and-shoot aspects. Although, you know, I, I want to play these games because I find them interesting. But certain parts where... Uh, even certain parts in Alan Wake drove me a little bit nuts because you have to like uh, try to negotiate your way down these uh, along this dam where the scaffolding is collapsing underneath you, and so you have to do it timed in in a sort of a particular fashion. Uh, mm-hmm. Those kind of things drive me a little nuts. Um, I prefer, and maybe I should. Uh, um, more the puzzle type ones. Portal is sort of mm-hmm. that way. You, but there are points in there where you do have to, like, you know, the run and shoot uh, or do certain things in a timed manner. Uh, but I like those that are more like solving puzzles where I can sit there and go, hmm, what do I need to do next? Because if you do that, uh, um, you know, like in Borderlands, it's like, hmm, what do I – oh, crap, I'm dead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I prefer the ones uh, – but like I say, I'm just – I'm doing this just to, you know – and I do find these games fun, and uh, it's not that I'm just pushing myself just to be pushing myself. They, they are fun, and I do find them interesting, and it's different. And this kind of stuff my, my son would would play, because he's played a lot of, like, Grand Theft Auto and things like that. And he's big into WoW, and I've watched him do this. I thought, well, you know, maybe I ought to try walking on the other side of gaming for a while and just see what it's like. Yeah, I don't, like I said, I... I I don't always feel the need. The one game that I got really persistent about, and this goes way, way back, is a game called Commander Keen. It was an old side-scroller shareware game that I got really persistent about, and I spent untold hours till I got all the way through that freaking game. I I would stay up till 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning playing that game. I was that obsessed with it. I try not to let that happen anymore, and I don't normally, but... um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, again, I play until I feel I'm done playing with them, and then I just walk away from them. Now, my son is more obsessive. He will play them to completion. He has mm-hmm. to complete them. He got a new game for his DS for Easter, and he beat it by yesterday afternoon, so it didn't even make it 24 hours before he <laughs> he beat that game into submission. So, you know, it's, it's different. I think it's a little bit of a generational thing. It's... Um, you know, it's a sense of accomplishment, you know, what you want to accomplish versus how much fun you want to have with that accomplishment. So mm-hmm. it's a double-edged sword, I think, really, for everybody. Yeah, so, yeah, that is true. So. Well, I think, uh, you know, we've had a great conversation. I think we've been going for quite a while here, folks. So I think we're going to kind of wrap it up unless there's something else that uh, either the Mike or Mark want to talk about in particular. Um <laughs> No, not really. But I, I got to say, Kevin, I, I still, I'm still not ready to start the show. You're still not ready. Well, when you get ready, you call me back and let me know. And we'll start <laughs> it then. How's okay. that? I, I just, I haven't been myself today. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've been playing with your zipper. That's part of the problem. <laughs> yep, yeah, there it goes, folks. There's the zipper. Get that one out of you. Get that one in your head, folks. See, Mark's playing with the zipper. And, and, to, and to quote, and to quote uh, uh, something about Mary, let's just hope his beans don't end up over top of his Frank. So I haven't seen that movie for about 10 years. I've got to, I've got to track it down and, and check that movie out again. It was fun at the time, and I'm sure it'd still be great. Oh, yeah. It's, it's one of those ones that does hold up really well, I think. So, But uh, in the meantime, Mr. McPeak, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you? If you want uh, to know more. 
Yeah, if you do want to know more about me, uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, DSC Chipman. And then uh, I can also be found, uh, I have an about.me page where you can find out a little bit more about me. And that's about it, uh, at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. Very good. And Mr. Greentree, where can they find out more about you, sir? Uh, MarkGreentree.com. Nice and easy. And since he's bailing out on the internet, there won't be much to find, folks. So there you go. If you oh, want no, to... no, I'm still going to be producing content. Don't get me wrong. I'm Even Hopefully... Though... Hopefully, I'm going to be producing more content that you guys will love and that will be really, really good. It's just I won't be wasting time on the internet. Very different things. Yes. Yeah, he'll still be pissing away time. for Anyway, the... But, but doing other things. Yes, that's true. Uh, in the real world, not in the Matrix. That's very true. And if you want to find out more about me, folks, and I'm not in the Matrix, you can go over to... Uh, I'm, you find me on Twitter all most of the time. You can find me at twitter.com forward slash... B-I-G underscore I-N underscore V-A or go over to my about.me page at about.me forward slash Kevin Alder. If you want to find out more about the show, go over to geekiestshowever.com A review in iTunes would be greatly appreciated. We love that. If you want to contact us, just reach out to any of the three of us. We all try to interact with the listeners and we, we do enjoy talking to you and asking your opinions and questions. So if that's it for this week, folks, we hope you've enjoyed the show. Hope it wasn't too long and we didn't bore you too much and Mark Zipper wasn't too disturbing for you this week. Between now and next week, don't forget to hug a geek. <laughs>